Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful day to be assembling together as the Bible instructs us in the book of Hebrews, that we're not to neglect the assembling of ourselves together. It says, as is the habit of some, but that's not our habit. We are in the habit of assembling because it's the way of God. To assemble is the way of God. And so Pastor John has asked me for a few minutes to share um, the things that the Lord has laid on my heart. The Lord has been working together with Pastor John and I. All right, I'm going to just wait for everybody to come get their seats. Not be distracted. Okay. All right. Right, so um, he's asked me to share from the word for about 10 to 15 minutes the things that the Lord has been showing me about what he needs us to be paying attention to right now and giving our attention to right now. There are many of us, those of you that are visiting here this morning, you are welcome, but this is definitely a, a ministry to our church. So things that the Lord is saying to our church because that's just how God works. He speaks to a specific local church and he gives their messages. So it is my prayer that you will receive something out of it so that when you go to your local church or where you should be going, that you will receive something for yourself this morning. But this is for Heritage of Faith members. And uh, so the Lord said to me, I just want to, get myself together here. If you will remember uh, Heritage of Faith people, the Lord said to me, your spiritual preparation, your spiritual preparation for Brother Jerry's coming, those of you that, that are preparing, your spiritual preparation is like a fragrance to him. He's, you know, he watches everything in a local church, so he knows who's preparing. And those of you that have been preparing, it's a fragrance to him. And those of you that have not been preparing, there's still time. Not much, but there is still time. And um, so what the Lord said to me, as we have been preparing ourselves spiritually in the word, in the messages, in Pastor John's messages, in Brother Jerry's messages as we've been preparing ourselves in praise to soften our hearts, to receive properly the word of God into our hearts so that, when, so that the Lord has something in our hearts to work with, he said to me that so too now our preparation for our financial giving can also be as a fragrance to him. And he does require that of us at this time. For us to make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit. For us to become willing-hearted to give and bring offerings that are pleasing to the Lord. Right. To bring our best. So I'm going to start with this. 
Um, Pastor John said that we are going to be doing this for the next couple of weeks um, to be preparing our hearts for our financial seed. But the way the Lord gave it to me, Pastor John, was he said to me on Saturday morning, this maiden flight, this first of a kind voyage for Brother Jerry and his crew in his own plane, international to us first. Our prayers have brought him here. Our prayers have brought him here. And um, this is very scriptural that our prayers have brought him here. We can see that in the book of Philemon, Philemon. We can see that. He says here in the Passion Translation, Philemon verse 22 and would you do one more thing for me? Since I'm hoping through your prayers to be restored to you soon, please prepare a guest room for me. It's what we're busy doing. We're preparing, busy preparing a guest house for Brother Jerry and his traveling companions. So he says here, through your prayers, I'm being restored to you. So he's coming to us because of our prayers, because we pray. For him, we're obedient to the Lord. So the Lord said in his own plane, international to us first. He's never flown internationally in his own plane anywhere else in the world to anybody else. So the way the Lord said to me, we had a vision. We saw him coming to us again. And now the provision. And now the provision for the vision. We saw him coming to us again. And now the supernatural provision is going to come for this trip. Our spiritual preparation has arisen as a fragrance to him. So too now our financial support, and I will get into that scripture. Excuse me, I'm just taking out my music ears. Um, our financial support will be as a fragrance to him. So we prepare our offering. We bring our tithes. We bring our first fruits and we bring our free will offerings. Those are offerings that the Bible talks about. Our tithes, our first fruits, and our free will offerings. That's an offering you bring out of your own free will. And uh, we're going to have a look now at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And there's certain things here that the Lord wants scripture to speak to our hearts this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and it is from the Passion Translation. So if you don't have a Passion Translation, please follow the scriptures. And let's see ourselves in context and in the light of scripture um, to check our own hearts. God wants this, uh, us to check and examine our own hearts in the light of scripture. In how are we going to go about preparing our offering for Brother Jerry, our financial offering for Brother Jerry to come? So here it is. Beloved ones, we must tell you about the grace God poured out, poured out upon the churches of Macedonia. Even during a season of severe difficulty, tremendous suffering, and extreme poverty, their superabundant joy 
overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. So when Brother Jerry makes a statement like there is no revival without joy, look what joy produces. If it's true joy, look what it produces. There's super, even during a season of severe difficulty, verse 2, I'm in that again, tremendous suffering and extreme poverty, their superabundant joy overflowed into an act of extravagant generosity. Here I check my heart, right? Is this me? Does my superabundant joy overflow into an act of generosity of my actual financial giving? And then it says here, for I can verify that they spontaneously gave not only according to their means, but far beyond what they could afford. What a heart. What hearts. And God's looking for our hearts. So for us to be spiritually prepared in the word and in the messages, and not to be spiritually prepared in our hearts for our giving, it doesn't, it, 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 it's out of balance. Can you see that? I'm ready spiritually, I'm in the messages and I'm, I'm being, I've, been, I've been diligent in that. But now my giving, now it's giving too? Yes, yes. They, they, they actually begged us for the privilege of sharing in this ministry. Is this in my heart? Is this in your heart? Would you actually beg Pastor John to have a share in giving? into this trip that Brother Jerry is coming, would you actually beg us for the opportunity? See, this is a heart of a congregation in Macedonia. It's an actual church with actual people in their time, on their journey, on the leg of their journey where they were at. Th that, that was happening in their hearts. They were begging for the opportunity to be able to bring finances, right? And now look at verse 5. They exceeded our expectations. Is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? It, it, in, in the heart of God, that he's going to be able to say that of us, that we exceeded his expectations. God's expecting something from us. By first, they exceeded our expectations. Now, this is how you give. Here it is in verse 5. First, dedicating themselves fully to the Lord. That's how you're going to go about preparing your seed or not. You are going to dedicate yourself to the Lord fully in preparing for the seed. You're going to say to the Lord, as families, as married couples, as 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 uh, on your own, those of you on your, uh, on your own, you are going to give yourself fully to the Lord about this gift, this financial, right? Fully to the Lord and then to us, according to God's pleasure. So now I'm going to read you past, uh, verse 7. You do well. And excel in every respect in unstoppable faith. Right? You do well in your faith. In powerful preaching. 
in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, and in sharing the love we have shown you. So make sure that you also excel. Constellation, the assemblage of excellences and splendors. See that you excel. Here's an excellence. Here's a configuration of God's time with Brother Jerry coming. God's arranged the parts and the elements of all of this for his outcome, for this time, for all of us. The Bible says, make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. In grace-filled generosity. I'm not saying this as though I were issuing, issuing an order, but to stir you to greater love. This is your stirring to your greater love. Your greater love for God. Your greater love for Brother Jerry. Your greater love for Pastor John. It's to stir you up in, for your greater love. Hallelujah. So I'm not saying this, verse, verse 8 again, I'm not saying this as though I were issuing an order, but to stir you to greater love by mentioning the enthusiasm of the Macedonians as a challenge to you. It's a challenge to my heart, isn't it? Right? As a challenge to you. And actually, it says here to test your love by the eagerness of others. If you see other people's eagerness... They were alive on the earth with eagerness. And so it's to test to see if we're as eager. So I would like to go now to verse 11. Uh, no, let's go now to verse 10. So here are my thoughts concerning this matter. It's in your best interests. Since you made such a good start last year, both in the grace of giving and in your longing to give. Are we longing to give? You should finish what you started. You were so eager in your intentions to give, so do it. Are we eager in our intentions to give? Are you eager in your intentions to give? So do it. Are you eager in your intentions to give now into this now that God is creating this opportunity. So do it. Now this is very important. Finish this act of worship. You see it's an act of worship here. According to your ability to give. For if the intention and desire are there, the size of the gift doesn't matter. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. Your gift is fully acceptable to God according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. And so I do need to read this to you. Pastor John saying in his message, um, saying this, walking away from the natural. Okay, here we go. This goes directly with the scripture here now. 
It says this will indicate to you that if God speaks to you and tells you to, to give up something, he's not wanting to take something away from you. He's wanting to get it to you. He says here, this will indicate to you that if God speaks to you and tells you and you are not willing, that is what owns you, not God. It is interesting to me that people that have got money, they attach a value to what they give rather than what they keep. They attach a value to what they give rather than to what they keep. And that's what the scripture means here. It says here, your gift is acceptable to God according to what you have. Not according to what you don't have. Right? Do these two statements measure up? So he says here, you know, it's like, don't you see how, how I've given so much money? I've given so much money. Oh, but how much are you keeping? No, but Pastor John, I've given more. Oh, but how much are you keeping? So this is very important. I think this is all that I will share today. I will finish off with this, with this um, scripture here, that your gift is fully acceptable to God. I want, and this statement needs to stand in this congregation. Because Brother Jerry prophesied to this church that there's not a lack of money in this church. There's just a lack of obedience. But God says, I'm changing that. I am speaking to the hearts of men and women, and they will obey me. So your gift, Heritage of Faith Church, is fully acceptable to God according to what you have. Your gift is acceptable to God according to what you have, not what you don't have. Glory to God. So hereby, my first part. My first part. Done. Hallelujah. Welcome back, everybody. For those that have been gallivanting all over the countryside, those people that want to go and rush off to where everybody else is rushing off to. It's good to see all your wonderful faces again and to have you back in church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, uh, over the last month or so, the Lord has really been ministering to me with a great deal of uh, a lot of insight, actually, and he's given me a lot of, uh, uh, he's allowed me to observe many things in his word, and uh, about the spiritual atmosphere of things that are going on around us, and I trust that he will give me the, he will give me the wisdom, and, the, and I will speak as he wants me to speak, and share the things with you as deeply as it's touched me and as deeply as it's moved me and impacted my personal walk with God. Um, and so when God deals with me, and He deals with you. It's just the way it works. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. So I, as I agree with Pastor Sharon's words, you will have ears to hear. You will have hearts ready to receive. And I trust that you will be deeply impacted and moved as I have been over the last month. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. 
I'm just going to give you some highlights of a recap very quickly. I have preached over the last, I don't know, two months or more. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to preach it. He came to fulfill, he was the fulfillment of promise so we can be free from performance. Performance is, an, is a counterfeit to promise. And in him, we know the truth and we live in power rather than in performance. We live in power, not just personality. We've all been given personality to live with, but our personality needs to be submitted and subjected to the will of God and the ways of God. We exchange our lives for purpose, not popular culture. And I have ministered, if you live in perception instead of truth, you will open yourself to deception. And one of the great, and you can't get rid of deception unless you receive correction. And the only way you can have correction is to have the truth of God's word correct your heart and correct your life. Rejection of correction will enforce your perception as the highest form of self-believing truth. So if you don't allow the word of God to correct you, then the way that you perceive life becomes your highest level of belief. And that level of belief enhances your perception of what life should be. And so you live in this balance of self-believing perception that underpins your self-belief. And so you never really have truth in your life. You only have perception of what life should be. And that can become anything you want it to become based on the perception that you have in any given time. So this applies to all the issues and relationships in life. So I'm just giving you a very highlight recap now. In the last couple of weeks um, that I've ministered, I spoke about the source and resource. A source is a place or a person or a thing from which something originates or can be obtained. A resource is possibility of aid or assistance can be stock, money, materials, can be something that is an action or a strategy which can be adopted. I don't want to talk too much about those definitions. Part of my scripture that I read to you at that time was in was John chapter 6 verse 35 to verse 40 in the New King James Version. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, the source. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I said to you that if you have the source, you will always have a resource. If you don't, whatever your source is, it may or may not satisfy you. But if you have Jesus as your resource, as your ultimate source, you will always have a resource. Always. This becomes very, very important when you begin to live your Christian life out fully that you understand that Jesus is the source. I can say to you that, uh, and this is a go-to illustration for me, but uh, when, I was, when I was, I had no money, I had no real academic qualifications. There was no, in worldly terms, there was no prospect of me succeeding in life. 
I had the source, my source was the Word of God, and when I tapped into the Word of God, He changed all of my life so that my resource came from the source. And whenever I was confronted with economic possibilities or opportunities, I always turned to my source, God, to guide me as to what my resource, where my resource should come from and what I should do with my resource. And as a result of dedicating both my resource and my connection to the source, to God, I have never run out of a resource, ever. Since I handed it over to God, I've never run out of resource. Not personally and not in the ministry. Hallelujah. Yes, to be sure, there have been times when I've had to exercise some measure of wisdom and say, you know, uh, at this point in time, there is there is been a lessening of cash flow in the ministry and we've had to take actions accordingly, but that hasn't happened in a long, long time. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me, I will come, he will, will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Jesus is talking about the Father is my source and I am a resource to you. And everything that is my resource comes to you. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, I'm connected to my source. My whole life is a resource. Because my whole life has become a resource, your whole life can turn to the source. Come on, this is powerful. This is the will of the Father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. When the source gives you a resource, you lose nothing. But you'd raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and will raise him up at the last day. Even here, Jesus is talking, even when you lose the source or the energy of your life, the resources of your life, God will restore it and raise it up in a day and restore your resource. Hallelujah. There is no downside, there is absolutely no downside for any of us making God the ultimate source. And if we see our whole life as a resource to fulfilling what the source wants, then His will becomes our will, and our will becomes His will, then we will never run out of resource, because all that we do is connected to the source. Then He is obligated to provide every resource when we are connected to the source. Our challenge as a church and as a people is that we see ourselves as the source and that we can do better than the source. So we say, we are just the resource, but we make ourselves the source. Come on. I know it's early in the new year, so happy and blessed may your new year be. We started off with a bang. I've got just so many minutes today and a lot to get through, so I'm going as quick as I can. The Christian, the Christian dilemma is this. 
And I mean this as a Christian dilemma more than any other, any other beings on the earth. Is that I live in this body. With this body, I can eat chocolate. I can eat panettone. I can eat cake. I can have milkshake. I can drink Coca-Cola. I can have croissants. I can have scones and jam. I can eat a lot of bread. Um, what else? I can have all manner of crisps and chips, pastries. Pastor Sharon wants me to say biscuits. Anybody would like to add to this wonderful list that I'm busy? Milk tart. Pasta. What? Ice cream. For sure, ice cream. Jam donuts. Yeah, don't let's get started on donuts. I mean, you know, Lind chocolate. Keep that stuff away from me. You know, I mean, any, you, you name it, anything that kind of your body, you can eat it, right? You can. Um, there's a fundamental requirement that your body has that needs energy. So for you to be alive, you need a body, and your body needs energy. So there's a whole lot of energy you can put into your body. body. It's not that healthy, though, is it? Because what's going to happen is if you eat all of that energy, your body will say, I only need some of that energy and the rest I'm going to store. Because it can't go anywhere. It's got to just uh, stored somewhere. Right? It's got to be stored somewhere. So then you end up storing it for a very long time. Depends on how much of it you eat. So, body. I can put a whole lot of stuff in this mouth. On the other hand, I can eat lentils, broccoli, spinach, cabbage, carrots, cauliflower. I can eat beans. I can eat nuts, bananas, grapes. Apples, pears, peaches, mangoes. I can, I, can have, I can have cheese. I can have some steak if you want. I can have eggs. Yes? Okay, okay, wait a minute. I can have all of that or I can eat donuts and chocolates and milkshakes and ice cream and everything else like that. Same body... Two different sources of energy. The sources of energy, <clears throat> excuse me, have everything to do with the way my body reacts to the energy. So, in my hand, I have a phone. This phone is an extremely useful tool for me. It allows me to navigate sometimes. It certainly allows me to communicate extensively with people via WhatsApp, messaging, 
emails, different things. It's a very useful tool to me. I can be any place, anywhere in the world, and it can be very useful to me. It's a tool. So, as a Christian, I can use this tool very effectively. I can also choose to use this tool very ineffectively. I can spend a lot of time on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, Pinterest, anything you want to do, I can use this tool. When I use this tool for one thing, it's entertainment. When I use this tool for another thing, it's highly productive. Same hands, same eyes, same brain, two different things. Same tool. So the dilemma with a Christian is that we have to be in this body, we have to live on this earth, and we are always faced with this dilemma that with this body, we can do good, and with the same body, we can do evil. With the same body, I can speak kind words, I can speak loving words, I can speak gentle words, I can speak words of hope, I can speak words of love, at the same time, with the same body, I can speak angry words, I can speak hopeless words, I can speak negative words, I can have anger and all manner of bad things that I can do with the same body. Same body, same eyes, same brain, same mouth, two different things. When you become a Christian, you're not only just faced with the two choices, you're faced with a third choice, and the third choice is that you can use this body for spiritual activity, not just natural things. The challenge for you and I is, on the one hand, we come out of church and we want to go and have a milkshake, and we want to go and eat donuts, and we want to have lint chocolate, and we want to have all those kinds of nice things when we leave church on a Sunday morning. But at the same time, for the last hour and a half, you've used your body to worship God and to take in the word of God that will hopefully change you. But when you walk out of here, at the same moment, you go and use it for all manner of things that may seem to be not as spiritual. And so our dilemma is living between the world of natural world and living a world that is a spirit-based world. So how do you tell someone that is spiritual? A spiritual person is someone who has the will of God in his spirit, and it comes through messages like this, reading the Bible, praying, the will of God is known. Your spirit man has the knowledge of God. And then you act on the guidings and the leadings of your spirit man rather than acting on the guidings and the leadings of your natural man. So that's what makes the difference between a spiritually mature person. A spiritually mature person is someone who is always acting on the spirit man's guiding rather than what his natural world tells him. Amen. So, when you become someone that gives more of your life to God, 
and more of your ways to God, you become a person that begins to understand maybe, maybe my life is actually more dedicated and should be more dedicated to what God wants me to do rather than what I want to do. So here's your challenge always for the rest of your life. Here's your challenge. The more you give yourself to God, the more you want to. The less you give yourself to God, the less you want to. Even though you're a Christian, you will have these, these drawings. It's like the magnet. You know, if you take a piece of iron away from a magnet, there's no magnetic field that pulls it. You come a bit too close to the magnet, begins to pull it, right? Well, this is what happens to most Christians in their life is that the Holy Spirit draws them to God. They respond, they come closer, they come closer. And then an alternative opposing magnet draws them through their mind and through their flesh and through their humanity. It draws them in an operative direction. So they have these opposing magnets pulling them in between all the time. And so they keep fluctuating between these worlds. So the closer you get to the magnet of God, the more you get into that magnetic field, he just gets you. Now, when you, when you get pulled into the magnetic field of God, you be, your, your, your ions change. The direction of your ions change and you all start to, you begin to look like the same magnet you connected to. And so at some point in time, if they can separate you from the magnet, they, you actually behave like the magnet you were pulled from. And you yourself become a magnetic field. On the other hand, if you get sucked into a different magnetic field, then you're eventually going to get stuck to that magnetic field and you're going to look like that magnet. So what do you want to look like? I'm quoting you, I'm quoting a preacher that is connected to our circles who quoted from a book. And I'm going to read you the quote from this book. It's quite, a, quite extensive, and, but it's really powerful, and I'd like you to just give me the, the moment to read it to you. And, and, and it goes as follows. In the church, so many in this upcoming generation have very little grasp, if any, of the Bible. Obviously, he's not talking about our church here. Yeah? But this is a general quote. Additionally, there is a culture war we are being dragged into. Magnetic field. Culture. So um, it is a war over ideals and affects the very souls of our children and our children's children. So many before us fought for a better tomorrow only to see this present generation walk all over their sacrifices. Responsibility lies at the feet of both a weak church and a permissive society that has allowed the lawless spirit of Antichrist to run wild. Are you getting this? The King, James, the King James Bible says this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. 
I prefer the amplified version, the way it writes it. It says, where there is no vision, and that vision means no redemptive revelation of God. In other words, if you're not in the magnetic field of the way God does things, the redemptive revelation of God, you will perish. You will be drawn to another magnetic field. The people perish, but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. He goes on to quote further, fist shaking or cursing the darkness has never been a productive response when dealing with a brainwashed culture. Why? Because if you're dealing with a brainwashed culture, what's fist pumping? And what is cursing the darkness going to do? Add a church that is faint of heart and is only a shadow of what Jesus intended for the church to be. The highest response is to point to something magnificent, a future hope, and a seemingly impossible vision of what we could have. I have a desire to remind the people of God where they come from and what could be if they only stand up and take it. We are living in a time after generals of faith and when many heroes from history are gone and largely remembered no more. This sounds very much like the times we are living in. I go on to quote him. I'm reminded of Exodus chapter one, verse eight, where it speaks of a new king who came into power who did not know Joseph. The very people who were rescued and made a strong nation because of a great man of God had no memory of him. If we do not know the foundation of a thing, we are destined to disrespect or disregard it. So, praise God, we have a general of faith coming to visit us. And we do not disrespect or disregard the generals that have gone before us, we embrace them. We will not be a generation that is toothless. We are going to be a, danger, a, a generation that is dangerous. Hallelujah. We are going to continue in the legacy of the generals who gave a lot and sacrificed a lot, sacrificed a lot to have so that we can have what we have. Amen. This man goes on to speak. There is a special weapon of provision God provides for those who choose him over the comforts of this life. This applies to those who have left all for the sake of the gospel. This is a promise that, we should, be, that should be greatly considered for the days ahead. It is a promise directly from Jesus that offers sustainability through something as catastrophic as a global economic meltdown. 
as you'll, as you'll hear, I am living proof of this example. And he goes on to share his testimony. And I really want you to hear the testimony. I'm living proof of this principle as before the age of 13, a choice was presented to me. My parents were divorced while I was very young and my mom served the Lord. Through her faith and the faith of her parents, my life was impacted by encounter after encounter with the Holy Spirit. This was unacceptable to my father, who wanted a much different path to, for me. A day came when a choice was presented. Follow Jesus or be part of everything my dad had, which included cattle, land, real estate, and a future inheritance with a large financial benefit. My father and his family were very well-off people. We owned a ranch bordered by a large, beautiful river. My father was adamantly against me going to church and openly confessing Jesus as my Savior. A mom who serves God, a dad who doesn't. A dad who has a great deal of inheritance and health and wealth and lands and everything else. A mom who's just serving God. The issue was, I had already encountered God for real. It was undeniable to walk away from Jesus for property and provision would have been much like the story of the rich young ruler. I couldn't deny all the Lord had done in my life leading up to this decision. Upon saying to my father, I choose to follow Jesus. After a very difficult conversation, we got in the car and left the property. He dropped me off at my mother's house. That was one of the last three times I saw my father before he died. I share this story with you to let you know that God has taken care of me in unbelievable and supernatural ways since those early days in my life and continuing into my adult years. Anyone who will completely throw themselves onto Jesus, forsaking everything that stands in the way, will have a special place with the Father. He will make himself responsible himself. He will make himself responsible for your life. This can apply in a variety of areas. Whenever you seek first his kingdom and give him your all, supernatural provision will happen in your life. Also, you will experience an unfair advantage when it comes to accessing God's economy. Make no mistake about it, the Lord your God will watch over you and will fiercely protect you. Well, of course he will. You've made a choice. You've made a choice for him 
rather than possessions, rather than things that will attract you to the world system. Very rarely are decisions for serving God presented so blatantly. Normally the decisions are much more subtle. Normally the decisions are not as contrasting. Normally there's fairly good relationships and there's never a definitive choice that gets made. It's normally just a gentle, persuasive Come and spend time. One more weekend. You can just miss church one Sunday to be with your parents. Why not? Or you can just miss a couple of Bible studies to be with what we want to do. Why not? You can just miss a church and go, you know, on a Sunday and go boating. Well, why not? I mean, normally the decision is not so forcefully, clearly presented one way or another. Normally, it's, it's just, a, it's just a, a vague kind of choice with no real clear compromise being offered. When it comes to all the potential terrors this world will eventually unleash, I must say, no way do you have to live under a sense of dread. Rather, this kind of person who gives their life to God, this person with a revelation from God is never at the mercy of a culture gone mad. Never. The Apostle John wrote about the, this power that overcomes this system, our faith. Every God-born person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. That's 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 from the Message Translation. The Greek word for world is cosmos, and that means a system. Another way of saying it is our faith is the power that brings the world's system to its knees. Are you going to bring the world system to its knees? No, you're going to bring the world to bow at your knees. The world system will bow to you, not to everybody. The world system wants to dominate everybody. Only God's people can cause the world system to bow to you. No one else can do this. There is a system of darkness in the world. It's the system of darkness. It's not the system of light. Come on. It's the system of darkness. The Bible is full of it in the New Testament. This world is, the God of this world is the God of darkness. It's the system of darkness. It's the system of darkness. You want to know why you're fed up with corporate life and the politics of corporate life and the politics of government and the ineffectiveness of government and the inefficiency of things and the way that you have to slog every day, every week, every month, every year to earn the kind of living that you have to make? 
The reason you are frustrated with it is because it's the system of darkness. Its economy is attempting to keep you in a place of fear and compliance with a spirit of the age that fearfully says, you'll never have enough. The dark economy is a dependence on self, on self-reliance, and the world's system. That's the dark economy. Dependence on self, self-reliance, and the world system. I'm still reading from him. I'm quoting him. I've you know, I, I, I kind of deliberated within myself for quite some time whether I should read it to you because, it, uh, because this is what we've been preaching for some time already. Uh, but the Holy Spirit has directed me through the month of December to be part of things. Uh, you know, somebody asked me one day, Pastor John, where do you get all this stuff from? Like there's one source. And the answer I have to say is because I, I, I'm led by the Holy Spirit to go to places and to read stuff and to be guided by the Holy Spirit for me to be able to access stuff I need to access for your benefit and for mine. Hallelujah. It's not one source. It's many places. Are you all with me still? I know... I know that what I'm preaching today uh, is dangerous material. Do you know that if you're entering a site that has got nuclear material, it's got like big yellow triangles and kinds of uh, these sort of half arc things that cross each other and you know they've got warnings and dangers about nuclear material and the, how you can be contaminated by that because it's so dangerous. Yes, what I'm preaching today is nuclear. It is. It has the potential to nuke the stuff that has controlled your life. It has the potential to nuke all of those strongholds that have been in your mind, all of the devils and the demons of this age that try to control you, all of the dark systems that are got their claws into you everywhere, this has the ability to nuke it. So I warn you right now, you're on highly contaminated, contaminating material ground. The, raid, the counter that says highly nuclear is off the charts right now. It's blowing up the devil's system. If you will receive it, it will blow up everything the devil's got his hands into your world. Through systems, through ideas, through philosophies, through ideologies. There's a reason why many years ago the Lord had me, he gave me a revelation and I preached about it. I still, it's a foundation teaching in my life. Ancient paths, ancient languages, ancient connections that God has for us because there are things that are founded in God before you were born in your womb. God knew you and he created an ancient path for you to walk on. 
And the reason why God had to bring you into the earth and purpose your life is because there are also ancient forces that wish to destabilize you and everybody else that's on the earth. So we have to get on our ancient path and have an ancient language with ancient divine connections that can keep us steady and keep us focused. Otherwise, there are ancient forces that will destabilize our future and our eternity. Hallelujah. So, bear with me. I will get to everything, hopefully, as the Lord leads me. I believe that Brother Jerry's coming at the season of our ministry and our time is not just a coincidence. I, I you know, uh, all the resources that we need are going to be here for him, for us to be able to meet all of the financial needs which are bigger than I've ever had to confront. Bigger than I've ever had to confront, ever. When you fly a private jet, I promise you, it, it writes the books on expenses. And it's my desire for us to make sure that we cover all those expenses. And they come with US dollars. That means that we have to, that we need to, I want to, I believe it's at the will of God for us to be able to cover those things. We don't need hundreds of thousands. We need millions. But you know what? Here's the thing. I've always, I've always been this way in my life. Pastor Sharon, I've always flowed this way. If you want quality, you invest with quality. So if you want, if you want a quality anything, you're gonna, it's going to cost you more money. So I'm not talking about people that, that have an inferior product that sell it at a high price, thinking you're buying quality just because the price is high. If you really want quality, you will pay more for real quality. Right? It's the, same, it's the same with the body of Christ. If you want a general to come visit you, the general comes with the things that a general comes with. And so many people can say to me, but you don't have to put that, you know, you know you, you, this thing could happen for a lot less money. That's not the point. When the general comes, he comes when he comes with what he comes with. You don't dictate to a general what he comes with or how he must come. On the contrary, here's our opportunity to invest in the God system. So all of our future, we are making a statement that by investing in God's system, we are being freed from fear of not having enough in a global meltdown economy. I'll tell you what, if I have to put my trust in anything, I will put my trust in God rather than in man. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw 
Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, they gathered together to Aaron. And they said to Aaron, Up, make us gods to go before us. For this, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. What? The man who brought us up out of slavery. The man who was the instrument in the hands of God to bring ten plagues on Egypt to force the Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go out of slavery. That man has only been gone for 40 days and 40 nights. That man is not coming back. We don't know where he's gone to. So make for us gods. Make for us gods to go before us. Those gods got them there? Make for us gods. You see, the human thing is we are influenced by spirits. Who were they listening to? They were influenced by spirits that were in them that came from Egypt. Those evil spirits could not occupy them under the anointing of the presence of God, but that came with them in their minds and their hearts from Egypt because they saw those people worshiping gods made by man's hands. So they said, make for us gods that they can go before us. As for this Moses, we do not know what has come of him. So Aaron replied, take the gold rings. Where'd they get these gold rings from? Egypt. God gave all the wealth of Egypt into their hands, so they've got gold rings in their ears. Take the gold rings from your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. Yeah, they're wandering around in the desert. They've got so much gold that they're parading their gold around and because they've got nowhere else to go with all this gold. So Aaron says, bring all this gold. It's in your ears. That's all. No other gold, just the gold that's in your ears. Well, I think that's quite prophetic because whatever you hear and whatever you have ears to hear is what becomes part of your life. So all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron and he received the gold at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it a molten calf. And they said, these, and they said, these are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. What? This is the God that brought them out of the land of Egypt? Is this deception? That is based on what? Perception. What was the perception? The man who had the anointing of God on them that was just gone for 40 days and 40 nights. We don't know where he is. We don't know what's. So let us make ourselves gods. Their truth was based on perception. Not truth. Self-belief. Who believes that they can make a graven image and say, this is God who brought us out of Egypt? So when Aaron saw the molten calf, he built an altar before it. What's an altar for? A place to worship. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. The Bible uses a capital L. 
So Aaron was referring to the Lord through a golden calf. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. To play. These are people in the wilderness hanging out, waiting for something to happen. They don't know what, because Moses is gone. Perhaps the golden calf will tell us. In the meantime, we'll play. Am I reading anything that's not in the Bible? Come on. You thought playtime was only a modern day word. They rose up to play. How many play things do you occupy yourself with? And worship at the altar of play. Anyway, I'm not going there today. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. God speaking to Moses. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods of Israel that brought you up of the land of Egypt. Can you put the, 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 the image up of, the, of that calf, please, on the screen? Not the bull, the calf. There you go. I'm going to leave it on there for while I'm reading. So Moses intercedes and he pleads with God and he says, how can you do this, God? You can't actually be angry at these people because he says, let me get at them and wipe them out of this thing and I'll start again with you, Moses. And Moses says, no, Lord, how can you do that? You've got to honor your word to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you, got, you can't do that. And then, so then, and then Moses goes down, and he loses his cool, and he breaks all the law and, and different things. And, you know, M Moses gets real cross, and he makes them drink the gold, show them what kind of God this is that they're serving. Anybody like to see a modern-day Golden calf that people worship to. Would you like to see it? It stands as a symbol for the whole world. That we, that the whole world worships it. You want to see it? Next slide, please. Anybody recognize it? Wall Street bull. Wall Street. Financial market of the world. The hub of the financial center of the world. We want this system to tell us what we must do with our money. Where to invest it. What to do with it. How to prepare our future with it. Are we not? What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? Where is our security and our trust? Is it in this bull? Or is it just a bunch of bull? Come on now, this is a real question. Is our trust in this bull? Really? 
What if God tells you to take out your investment, out of your investment account of your pension fund, and says, give it to me and let me take care of your future. Let's see what bull you trust in. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm not saying you must do that because God is the one that would have to tell you to do that. I'm not doing it. But where's your trust? I told you, this is nuclear. So, 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 26. There is a war, there is a conflict between two kings. King Rehoboam and King Jeroboam. One is the king of Judah and the other one is the king of Israel. So Jeroboam thought to himself, the kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. They will again give their religion to the Lord rather than to a human king. Can I tell you something? All human kings want you to worship at their altars, not at the Lord's altar. Have you heard this statement? He's a captain of industry or the king of industry or is the king of clay tennis or is the king of the golf course or she's the queen of you ever heard those terms the kings of this world, the captains of this world want you to worship at the altar of their world, not the most high God. Even now, there is a struggle going on and thank God, we as a church are part of God inserted us at the right moment in the right thing in this history where we were able to meaningfully input to the education system of South Africa, not just Mpumalanga, South Africa, which will allow us to do education according to the way God will direct us to do education. Why? Because the whole system says you must worship at the education system that we dictate you must worship at. We will tell you where all the knowledge is held, where all of the information is held, and you will come, and if you want to get this information, you will come and kneel at the altar of the temples of curricula, professors, people who will tell you not just the knowledge you must know, but the spirit of how you must learn it. The kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David if these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem they will again give their allegiance to the Lord 
Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking advice, he made two golden calves. He said to the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Is he telling the truth? He's just making up something so that people can worship where he wants them to worship. He just made a choice. I need people to give me their resources. It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. I read verse 22 in chapter 14 in the Amplified Bible. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, whom they provoked to jealousy with the sins they committed above all that their fathers had done. For they also built themselves idolatrous high places, pillars and asherim, idolatrous symbols of the goddess Asherah on every high hill and under every green tree. Every high hill and every green tree. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and worship. He who does not sit in the council of the godly but listens to everything that God says, he will be like a tree planted by still waters and he will be prosperous all the days of his life. But they exchanged that form of blessing for high places, mountains, and trees to do idol worship. These are the people of God. These are the covenant people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There were also Sodomites. These are male cult prostitutes. You think modern day Male, female prostitution is just a modern day thing. When you open your world up to idol worship, it becomes a common and prominent thing. The perversion of sexuality becomes prevalent and pervasive. Oh, you think you're just making a decision to have sexual promiscuity the way that you like. Let me tell you, there's a demon spirit that is wanting your body to worship it through sexual behavior patterns. They did all these, all the abominations of the nations whom the Lord cast out before Israel. I want to quote to you from a commentary. Jezebel brought hundreds of prophets of Baal and Asherah with her into the Israelite court. This is the one that Elijah was raised up by God to confront. 
Jezebel. Two gods, Baal and Asherah. So God of Baal is the male version of prosperity. Asherah is the female version of fertility and prosperity, but mostly fertility, and eventually it, re- it leads to the queen of sexuality. You want to go and worship at the feet of a bull? You are going to open yourselves up to the false god of sexual promiscuity. You think choices for money are disconnected from everything else in life. These are ancient spirits. And you think when you are faced with a thought process, I don't think I'll tithe. I don't think that, you know, I don't think I'll give this much money to the church. I'd rather spend my money here. You don't think that there's things behind that that want you to worship with your money what you want to worship? And then when you make a choice for the way your money's going to go, you don't think that there are other things that are going to come in with it? These are ancient spirits that have ancient gods that want you to worship at their altars. God says, there's only one God. He's Yahweh. He's Jehovah. He's the God who is more than enough. He's the provider. He's the only one and living God. Worship him. Seek him first. And his way of doing things, his righteousness, and all these things that the other world promises through performance, he will give to you through power. What power? It's the power of obedience. It's the power of worship. It's the power of giving him the place in your life, not other gods the place in your heart. Popular culture defines Canaanite religion. And Hebrew idolatry as sexual fertility cults. Products of primitive superstition rather than spiritual philosophy. This position is buttressed by the Hebrew Bible, which frequently and graphically associates goddess religions with prostitution. As Jeremiah wrote, on every high hill and under every spreading tree, you lay down as a prostitute. Hosea, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel in particular blame the goddess religions for making Yahweh jealous. Of course, God says, I'm a jealous God. What am I looking for? I'm looking for your heart. God is a jealous God. He gave his only begotten son so that he could redeem you to himself. Do you think he's going to just take your little bit of worship that he wants and say, okay, that's enough, but you can spend the rest of your time worshiping other gods. So go, go and do any kind of education system that you want to do and where you want to do it and how you want to do it and go and worship at the altars of the education system. 
why don't you go and worship at the altar of money and industry and e-commerce and go and do whatever you want to do with business and finance. Go do it. Go and worship that God of finance and money. He's a jealous God. He's after your heart. What's the reward? Those who diligently seek him, he is a rewarder of those. With what? His presence, with all of himself. What is himself? I am that I am. Everything that I am belongs to me, and I give it to you. That's what I started with. Everything that I am belongs to me, give it to you. If you are connected to the source, then all the resource comes to you. So, Hosea, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel in particular blame the goddess religions for making Yahweh jealous and cite his jealousy as the reason Yahweh allowed the destruction of Jerusalem. As for sexual and fertility, right, it is likely that once they were held in honor in Israel as they were throughout the ancient world, although their nature remains uncertain, sexual rights typically revolved around the woman of power and influence. Huh. And so they started promoting priestesses and queens and prostitution. I wonder what kind of age we live in in now. I wonder if all of this stuff hasn't been absolutely consuming our society. Come on, people. Pastor John, what are you talking about? I'm going nuclear. I'm going nuclear. Because I'll tell you what you've got. You've got a general that's coming here. You have a legacy. God has positioned your pastor. This man has positioned him with one of the greatest generals of faith in the body of Christ ever to walk this earth. He has connected us in lineage to Jerry Savelle, Kenneth Copeland, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagen. Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake. We have a direct connection to those people. I'll tell you, God has placed in your community, in this nation, to this people, he has placed a pastor who not only honors and respects and highly regards the men that I'm connected to and that we are connected to, but God has placed with us a mantle, a mandate that we will stand as a true kingdom church, a ecclesia before God, which is a ruling, reigning, governing assembly. He has given us the mantle and the mandate that we can walk on this earth with authority and we can govern by God's grace. So, when God is talking to me over December, God is speaking to me about years gone by and the journey that we have taken till this point. 
And God says to me, John, I want you to go nuclear, son. I want you to begin to reveal when all of your fathers, when Kenneth Copeland paid a price, and he has been for many, many years, he was persecuted. People used to pick it in front of his his services, they used to write, and they have written books about him. Still today, there are people that write articles about him and do things about him on the internet. There are still things because they say, prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. That's an anti-God thing. It's an anti-church thing. And you making all of church about money. Well, listen, if there wasn't a man that was called by God to say, money is not what the problem is. It's where your heart is in connection to the money. And so he said, well, if money's not the problem, then having it or not having it is not the issue. It's what your heart does with the money. He's been teaching that for 55 years. Why? Because where your heart is, is where all of your stuff is going to be. And if your heart is with money, then where you think your heart's going to be, it's going to be consumed by the God of Sexual fantasies and sexuality. It's going to be consumed with all kinds of sicknesses and diseases that come by demon spirits that want to consume the body that God gave you to live life with. And we think, uh, we'll just run to the doctor and take a panada. I'm very happy for doctors. But hey, there's a level of Christianity that we can walk in where we can live above that stuff. It's like Brother Jerry preached many years. Do you want divine healing or do you want to live in divine health? I don't want a miracle of healing every time I get sick. I'd rather have God's health on my body than I don't need a miracle. It's a higher level of walking with God. I also don't want to have to believe God for financial miracles every month. I want to live in divine prosperity. What does that mean? Every need that we ever have, God's taking care of it. Praise the Lord. I finish with a scripture. I waited, Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 to 6. I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up out of a horrible pit. A pit of tumult and destruction out of the miry clay, the frost and the slime. And he set my feet upon a rock, steadying my steps and establishing my goings. I'm here to say to you today, church, that God has brought this nuclear message so that he can nuke all of the bad stuff that the devil has brought into your life. And he can raise you up and he can steady your feet and he can take you out of the mud and all of the clay and the froth and all of that stuff. And he says, give me your heart, son and daughter. Give me your heart. Give me your life. And it starts with a yes. Don't start with a decision about tomorrow. Well, how am I going to debt this tomorrow? Start with a yes today and let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. The devil lies to us all the time and say, well, you've let yourself down so many times when you've made a yes and you've never been able to follow through with it. Well, this is a nuclear moment. All of your yeses and noes that you have faltered on before, God's going nuclear with it. Hallelujah. And he has put a new song in my mouth. 
A song of praise to our God. Many shall see and fear and revere and worship and put their trust and confident reliance in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his refuge and trust and turns not to the proud or to the follower of false gods. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his refuge and trust and turns not to the proud follower or to the follower of false gods. Did you see pride and the follower of false gods go together? Pride, eh? Ne? I didn't even touch on that today. Many, O oh Lord my God, are the wonderful works which you have done. Your thoughts towards us, no one can compare with you. No one. There's not another God. There's not another financial God out there that is a God made with man's. There's no bull in Wall Street that is caring for you like the God, the almighty God cares for you. He thinks about you. He's got his eye on you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Wall Street will let you down, but Jesus will never let you down. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are the wonderful works which you have done. Your thoughts towards me, no one can compare with you. If I should declare and speak of them, they are, they are too many to be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, nor have you delight in them. Well, aren't you saying that today, Pastor John? Read the rest. You have given me the capacity to hear and obey. He's looking for me to hear and obey. Then my sacrifice and my offering will be in the right place, not the wrong place. See, we all want to make it about sacrifice and offering. I'll give you my golden earring. Don't make me a calf, please. Sacrifice. God says, give me your heart. Hear me. Then when you give, you don't want to give for a golden calf. You want to give to the most high God. I've said this to you many times before. If you tithe out of fear, stop tithing. It's not doing you any good. Put the money in a savings account and keep it for yourself. Gee, that's a radical thing coming from a pastor, hey? I thought pastors always look for money. No, I'm not looking for your money. God wants you to give your money because you trust Him. Not me. You're trusting me. I can do... You can, what can I do with your money? I can't multiply it. I can't help you with your resource problems. But if you go to the source, he makes all the resource. If you go to him. So what can I do for you? Nothing. If you go to him, he can do everything. So you're not bringing your money to me. I'm merely a representation of God on the earth. God says, yeah, men receive tithes, but there God receives them in heaven. I'm just a focus point. This ministry and what we do with the money is just a focus point. When you bring your tithes, you give it to him. If you can't bring your money to him, then don't bring it. Because it means nothing. It's just a sacrifice. 
And then you're going to put yourself in a position where you have something against the church because they're not using the money or the pastor lives in too much luxury. Or did you see the new car the pastor bought? Well, that liquor suit he's wearing. I wonder how much that cost. Yeah, I wonder if that's my tithes and offering. Uh, you know, here I am and I can't meet my rent every month and check what the pastor's wearing. You think that doesn't happen? Let me tell you, that happens a lot. Why? Because people are think they're giving to men, but if they're giving to God, then actually men is just the contact point. Hallelujah. So, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, nor, you have, do you, nor have you delight in them. You have given me the capacity to hear and obey. Your law, a more valuable service than burnt offerings and sin offerings, you do not require. In other words, your law is more important. Your heart and your obedience is much more important than what you can sacrifice. See, told you I'm going nuclear by the Holy Spirit. This is nuclear teaching. We are nuking every false God out there. Every God under every tree and every high mountain. We are going to go after that. We are going to preach truth because God wants us to preach truth. Hallelujah. Because God wants us to live in the ways that we put our trust in Him, not in institutions. Let me just clarify something. The church is as much of an institution as the university is. Is as much as the institution as Wall Street is. I'm even telling you, don't put your trust in the church. Put your trust in the living God. Hallelujah. Now, the body of Christ is not the church in the sense of buildings and institutions and ceremonies. Wherever the ceremonies and institutions replace God, walk away from it. Because God is a relational God, he's not an institutional God. The devil only knows institutions because it requires performance. God is a power God and it requires relationship. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. I tell you what, today I took that ball and I scooped it. I took it and I scooped it. Do you know, I often say this, today I'm shooting some holy cows. Well, I have to say that today I shot some holy cows. Because they're actually unholy cows. That people put a lot of holy sacredness in them. And God is always on my case. Shoot those holy cows, John. Shoot them. Shoot them, John. Shoot those holy cows. Why? Because they other people's holy cows. Golden images set up before the world system for people to bow down and worship them. And God says, shoot them, John. Shoot them. And now he's taken me beyond shooting and he's saying, Bomb them, <laughs> atomize them, obliterate them, so that in your church and in your people, they never raise their heads again. There is no place for them in our church. Hallelujah. Stand with me, people. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. 
Well, if you're visiting here today, perhaps you're all, who's this pastor? Where do these people come from? Well, the reason that there are people in this church today is because we have never stopped preaching this kind of nuclear stuff, ever. And if I'm more radical about it, it's because I'm getting a bit older, and I'm no, my, no means old, I'm just older. And as the older I get, the Lord is saying, go more nuclear, John. More nuclear, John. More nuclear, John. We need more nuclear stuff going on here. Because I need a younger generation of people to take on this nuclear spirit and you send them out as many nuclear atomic bombs that go out there and they start blowing up sacred holy cows everywhere they go. It's the only way we're going to survive what's coming. Really. You think the world's got answers for everything? They got nothing. Oh, my word. In the last year or 18 months, Wall Street has lost trillions of dollars in value. I'm using Wall Street today because there's a bull in front of Wall Street. And so the global economy has lost trillions of dollars worth of economic wealth. Huh. Your God? Not your God. The world's God. Can take care of you? No wonder the world is in a panic. The world is in a panic. But we have a living God which we serve. It's more important for us now, I need to just say this, I, 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 do, I know I've got to let you go, but I've got a month's worth of teachings inside of me here. You know, and anyway, I'm preparing you for Brother Jerry, so. And he's going to preach to you for hours and hours. No, he, he, he normally doesn't do that, but we're going to let him preach to us as long as he wants to preach to us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But you know, the world system doesn't have any answers for us in the future going forward. Everything that I've been reading in the Bible, the Bible says before the return of the Lord, things are going to have to get worse before they get better. If you think there's going to be wars, there's going to be rumors, there's going to be droughts, there's going to be famines, there's going to be all kinds of things that are going to happen. There's going to be things that happen that are in the same, that happened in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and the days of Noah. The world system is going to get worse. It's going to devour itself. You don't want to be putting your trust in that thing. So yes, we can connect to it and we can suck all of its money out of it. Come on. Just go like this for me. Just go like a vacuum. Go like this. Come on. We're going to suck all of the resources that's in the world system. We're going to suck it right out into the hands of God into the kingdom of God, into the things that God wants to do with all of those reasons. We suck it right out with our faith. Our faith overcomes and makes those institutions kneel to us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can you tell I've got fire in my belly? I've got nuclear stuff happening in my spirit, man, in my belly. Praise Jesus.
I knew when I came back, I told you this when I came back from Brother Jerry, I got to, I got to, there's things God wants to put in me. There's things that God wants to take me. There's things that God wants to show me. I got to go and sit with him. Well, now you're getting to see what we've been talking about, me and him. While you guys have been eating Christmas lunches and puddings and coffeeing and brying and surfing and God has been downloading nuclear material into my spirit. And he's been waiting for this Sunday morning, say, just a little explosion, John, just. I've been, really, I've been controlled this morning, believe it or not. (laughs) Praise Jesus. Put your hand on your heart like this and just say, Jesus. You are my Lord and Savior. I put my trust in you because you are my God. You are my Lord. You are my Heavenly Father. I worship you. I praise you. And I give you my life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Do you know what you just did? You know what you just did. You just made a confession, a declaration that he is the God that's worthy to be worshipped and to be served. That he occupies your heart. Wow. That's a glory thing. It's a glory thing. It's a glory thing. It's It's a praising thing. It's a praising thing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God. (laughs) Praise Jesus. I just want to pray the peace of God over you. And I pray that his peace rests upon you, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. I pray that you are released into the fullness of the understanding of what God's put in my spirit, that it will come to you in fullness. I pray that he will give you wisdom and understanding and insight how you can apply this in your life and that you will see what you need to see and you will blow up things with the word of your confession as you need to blow them up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And I pray that your hands will prosper in everything that you put them to as you are led by the Holy Spirit. I pray that your feet are guided and directed by the Lord and He takes you the places that He needs to guide you and lead you so He can bring all good things to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You want to know Just quickly, you want to know how to blow up an old habit? Don't try and change it. Speak to it. Come on. You know, I witnessed this with my son, Bryn, many years ago. He's not here this morning. He's got a runny tummy. But, okay, oversharing. He's blessed. He's blessed. He's blessed. I prayed with him this morning because he phoned me and told me. And so I prayed with him. And I said, by the end of today, it will all be well. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Anyway, you know, I was a witness to him. He, he, he was addicted to smoking. And I watched him 
He said, I can't get rid of this by myself, Dad, but I know the power of the Word of God can help me get rid of it. And he used to puff on that cigarette, and every time he smoked that cigarette, he would pray in tongues, and he would speak to it, and he said, this thing doesn't control me. I'm free of this thing. I'm free of this habit. In Jesus' name, I'm free of it. I'm free of it. I'm free of it. I'm free of it. And he spoke to it, and he spoke to it, and I don't know all the words that he used to speak to it. It was his confession, not mine. I'm not addicted to that stuff. Thank God. Uh, besides the fact that it's dirty, it will also kill you prematurely. Anyway, he would speak to it. He said, I'm free from this thing. I'm free from this thing. And for three months, he spoke to it. While he smoked it, he spoke to it. While he smoked it, he spoke to it. Now, many people would say, how can that be? You've got to change yourself before you can pray. No, it's your praying that changes you. And so one day, those words had enough power in his spirit, man, that it grew up into a harvest of power. And in that weekend moment, it was a weekend, he came home and he just took his cigarettes and he said, I've had the last one. He took his pack and he threw it in the dustbin and he had a few symptoms for 24 hours, a few withdrawals, but in 24 hours, he was free of it and he's never looked back. He didn't try and get free of it. He spoke to it and it freed him. If you got something that you want to be free of, love of money, fear of money, resources, failure, anything else, speak to it. That's how you get rid of it. Speak to it. You want a future? Speak to it. More to come in weeks to come. Praise the Lord. Be blessed.